The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. Welcome back to the second hour of the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa. And before we get this hour going, as many of you know, I've, I've been on the road speaking across this great country of ours. And, and so I want to thank the good folks in Boston, Wichita, Palo Alto, Orlando, and St. Louis for turning out in record numbers and for their incredible hospitality. Let me especially thank the Kansas Health Foundation, Sun Life Financial Services, the Human Capital Institute, and also the ladies of the junior leagues for making my time on the road so enjoyable, uh, as well as for the great work you're doing to attack problems which have plagued uh, our world for many decades. We're very grateful for your service. So uh, let's talk a little about our first hour interview with Bob Graham, former governor and senator of Florida, where up to 70% of our nation's Cuban population now resides, primarily in South Florida, which, by the way, is only 90 miles from the shores of Cuba. So it's safe to say that most Cubans either experienced the tyranny of communism under Castro and the Castro regime themselves, or or they have family members who suffered uh, under Castro. So it, it is completely understandable that these individuals are against any normalization of relations with Cuba and are also largely responsible for making sure that the economic embargoes remain steadfast which, of course, includes embargoes on things like safety equipment for offshore oil rigs and fuel. Let's think about this. So in in response to those embargoes, Cuba has been escalating their offshore drilling program in the Gulf. And the area of the Gulf that they are allowed to drill in uh, in any way that they care to, is about 50 miles off our shore. Now, now the only problem with this is that, that they don't necessarily use the same safety equipment and abide by the same standards as the United States and other advanced countries. So, in other words, the stricter the embargo, the more offshore oil wells they drill, and the higher the probability grows each and every day of another oil catastrophe like the BP Deep Horizon incident. So Bob Graham was part of a delegation that went to Cuba this spring to see if they could open up a conversation about protecting the environment. After all, any leak from a a Cuban offshore oil rig is going to impact the southern and eastern coasts of the United States in no time flat. The currents would send the oil straight to our shores. Um, But... With Obama and the Democratic Party winning 49% of the Cuban vote in Florida, uh, it's going to be tough to open channels with Cuba, even if it puts our fragile coastal ecosystem at risk. Those voters are important in Florida. And, and as you know, in every election, it comes down to neck, neck and neck. And you need the Cuban vote. Another reason you heard uh, that normalizing relations has stalled is because uh, Cuba wants uh, five five hostages. I'm going to call them hostages. Uh, well, we call them prisoners. They call them hostages who were convicted and imprisoned in the U.S. to be released. Now, uh, two of them have been released. Now we're down to three. And the U.S. wants aid worker and U.S. citizen gross Alan Gross, I want to say his name over and over so we don't forget. When we say we don't leave any American behind, that's not really true. 
We don't leave any military behind. And that's why I don't I, I don't like it when our leaders are using this slogan, we don't leave any American behind. They mean we don't leave any military behind. So let's be accurate. Alan Gross is serving a 15-year sentence in a Cuban prison for hooking up the Internet on his computer and his cell phone without government permission. So what we've got now is a stalemate. And during the Cold War, we used to settle these things by doing a prisoner exchange like the one we just recently saw. Uh, take place with Berndahl. But but no one seems willing to entertain that because experts warn us that, you know, that will just encourage terrorists in other countries to start kidnapping more and more Americans and use them as bargaining tokens to get terrorists released, their terrorists released from U.S. prisons. That's how the argument goes. It says if you start reinforcing, positively reinforcing the act of capturing Americans and kidnapping them, what you'll get is more kidnappings and capturings. So, are they right? Well, you saw what happened when rich families in South America started paying to get kidnapped family members back. Suddenly, there were kidnappings every day. It's just a matter of Pavlov and his dogs. You ring the bell every time you put a plate of food in front of a dog. Pretty soon, the dog will salivate every time he hears the bell. It's a matter of reinforced behavior. And when you negotiate and you reward bad behavior, and by the way, this applies to all of you parents that reward bad behavior when your children act out. You give them attention. You, 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 you give them candy. You know, you, you, uh, you reward them. You give them a video game. Put them in front of a TV and a movie that they want. You give in to them. Well, guess what? When you reward bad behavior, you get more of it. <laughs> That's what happens. So, you know, it should come no, as no surprise that we now have a large contingent that is saying hostage exchanges are a bad idea because all we're doing is we're setting rules that if we want the hostage back bad enough, we'll release your folks. And, uh, and I, I, I don't know if I agree with that or not. Maybe you have some thoughts on that. All right, we have to take a scheduled break. When we come back, let's find out what Sam Quentin and Bill Graff think about our conversation with Senator Bob Graham. You're listening to the Costa Report. Hi, Registered Pharmacist Ben Fuchs here. I've been studying healthy bodies for 35 years, and what I've got to tell you may shock and surprise you, but if you listen up, it may change your life. What we call grains are really, in essence, the seeds of grass. They're grass seeds. As animals evolved to eat grass, grass evolved to defend themselves. One of the techniques that grass have developed to survive is to have lots of seeds. And this is what makes grasses farmer and agriculture friendly. Seeds contain lots of nutrients that humans can use. And if there's lots of seeds, they're easy to grow. Today, grass seeds and grains, what we call grains, which are really grass seeds, provide the bulk of nutritional calories for the human being species in the world. In addition to having lots of seeds as a defense mechanism, grasses have developed a second defense mechanism to assure their survival in a world where they're constantly being munched upon and grazed upon by animals. This second mechanism for their survival is chemical warfare. Grasses produce chemicals that are designed to make any animals that would dare to eat them think twice about eating them again. Grass seeds produce opium-like compounds, for example, that numb predators, stun them, and, and make the animals more slow and more sluggish, including humans. This is one of the reasons why grains are considered comfort foods, because they have a kind of relaxing, soporific effect. They put us to sleep. They relax us. They make us feel more comfortable. Grass seeds produce blood clotting chemicals called agglutinin that can kill animals. Hi, this is Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report. If you'd like to get in touch with pharmacist Ben Fuchs, let me tell you the quickest, easiest way to communicate with the only pharmacist I know that isn't in a hurry to dispense pharmaceuticals. 
Sounds funny, doesn't it? A pharmacist who believes pharmaceuticals should be used as the last resort, not the first. You can reach Pharmacist Ben right now at RadioBenHealth.com. That's RadioBenHealth.com. And if you'd like to know more about unique nutritional supplements like Beyond Tangy Tangerine or the Healthy Start Pack program, it's the same web address, RadioBenHealth.com. Find out why Pharmacist Ben and millions like him are enjoying a healthy, energetic lifestyle by adding mineral supplements to their daily routine. Visit RadioBenHealth.com, RadioBenHealth.com, and get started today. If you listen to the news today, you might come away with the impression that our biggest challenges are political and economic. But if this were true, then countries which have different political and economic systems would be facing different problems. But they aren't. Every government and every nation is struggling with job creation, debt, immigration, climate change, terrorism, health care, energy, and wild swings in financial markets. So something else must be going on. That's why I'm inviting you to get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, a book which shows how the Roman, Mayan, and Khmer empires once faced similar challenges and what we can do to avoid their fate. Visit RebeccaCosta.com today and get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, because once you do, you'll never look at the world the same way. Do you love creating salads as much as you enjoy eating them? Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Dole inspires fresh and wholesome dishes for any meal with their wide selection of salad blends and all-natural salad kits. From the mild and tender texture of sweet butter lettuce to the crunch of classic romaine sprinkled with colorful shredded carrots and red cabbage, Dole has over 30 salad blends to satisfy every palate. If you're looking for the ultimate in convenience, try Dole's unique salad kit combinations that include farm-fresh lettuces and vegetables, mouth-watering all-natural toppings, and specially made dressings. It's all you need to make a distinctively delicious salad. The possibilities are endless. Visit www.dolesalads.com for recipes and other ideas to feed your culinary imagination. Ladies and gentlemen, take a quick look in the mirror. See those bags under your eyes? You can simply get rid of them. Introducing GenuCell Stem Cell Therapy for bags and puffiness under the eyes. Rosa from California wrote, I felt the bags under my eyes firm up and my skin was glowing. Your product helped me reduce puffiness immediately. And in a couple of weeks, I stopped using concealer because of the improvement. Actually, I've gone a week without applying heavy makeup. I would recommend it to anyone. I've noticed a great difference. And with its instant effects, you'll see GenuCell working in the first 12 hours, guaranteed all your money back. Plus, for even younger and smoother skin, Chamonix will give you the legendary Esotique anti-wrinkle treatment absolutely free just for trying GenuCell today. Call 1-800-901-0636. That's 800-901-0636. You will be absolutely amazed by the results or your money back guaranteed. Call 800-901-0636. We will make it easy for you. Hi, I'm Rocky Franich at Marty Franich Ford Lincoln on Watsonville's Auto Row. Get 38 to 42 combined miles per gallon on a new Fiesta, Focus, C-Max, or Fusion Hybrid. Lease a stylish 5-passenger 14 Focus for only $169 a month for 24 months, or lease a 14-model C-Max Hybrid and turn heads around town for only $269 a month for 24 months. We also have a wonderful selection of Ford-certified pre-owned cars that are priced right and ready to roll, and we guarantee these cars for 7 years or 100 thousand miles. The leases are based on 10,500 miles per year. Tax title and DMV is slightly extra. The Focus requires $1,900 down payment. The C-Max requires only $2,490 down, but there's no security deposit required. And this sale ends June 30th. Marty Franich has served the community for over 70 years. Come to Watsonville's Auto Row and look for Marty Franich Ford and Lincoln.
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and I am joined in the studio by our engineers, Sam Quentin and Bill Graff, who get all the credit for making sure our program goes out without a hitch each and every week. So, gentlemen, I'm almost afraid to ask you because you you guys were both talking on the side well, first of all, together, which means you're going to gang up on me. What's yeah. that? We're not you're really gentlemen. gentlemen. You're not <laughs> don't open with gentlemen. No, I just thought I'd pay you a compliment. No, wrong so, way to go. All right. So, what struck you about our conversation with Graham today? Did you learn anything new? I did. I learned a lot of things, but I also learned a lot of things he obviously can't talk about because you know that he knows a lot more stuff than he can tell us, and also the stuff that's left out. What do you mean? Well, we're, we're worried, you know, immediately after 9-11, we're worried about airplanes crashing into buildings. We're worried about airplanes in general. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but there's a lot of things that we all should be worried about, I think, that are left off the list. You mean threats and dangers that you right. know, weren't obvious. Well, right. he was chairman. I, well, I don't know if he was chairman, but he was on the Senate Intelligence Committee before 9-11 and after 9-11 during that period. So no question he knows about it. What I found troublesome when I was doing research on some of his recent work is that he is still calling for an investigation into where the money, where the terrorist camps. He feels, I mean, when you're on the Senate Intelligence Committee... And you're saying that we have not thoroughly investigated. We don't completely know the connection between Saudi Arabia. We need to really understand that. When he is continuing to say that, I find that very disturbing. Well, I also yes, find it very enlightening. I find it disturbing in, in a lot of ways. Um, I Do we already know, but we're just uh, covering it up? Yes. Because we don't want the American people to know the truth. To freak we out. already know. Well, you heard what he said. He said, it is going to come out. Well, and there are numbers of people that are going to be very embarrassed by well, what comes I, I out. Applaud, he says it, it's, I applaud he, he him said for it. his push to continue to get after the truth. I applaud him for that. And, and you know, and who else, uh, which is a big question Julian for me. Julian Assange is who else. Well, that's right. That's right. It, it that's is how going we'll find to, out. That's how we're we, going to we'll, find out. We won't find out from the from the intelligence committee in any of their hearings. We'll find out from guys like Julian Assange. That's yeah, unfortunately probably true. Well, unfortunately, Julian Assange can't get an internet connection. <laughs> He'll have to go to Cuba to get that. Vladimir, <laughs> <laughs> cut him off. Yeah, we, we, we've cut him off the internet. Um, what, what worse thing could you do? That That's like a definition of hell for Julian Assange. Uh, so let's talk about Cuba because, you mm-hmm. know, he was governor of uh, Bob Graham was governor of Florida and senator for Florida huge Cuban population Um, he then takes a group over to Cuba and says we need to lift the embargo on safety equipment so that you can bring your offshore oil rigs up to current standards safety standards because if they have an incident like Deep Horizon all that oil I mean, oil doesn't care that, you know, that there's a a, uh, line in the water and that water is yours, Cuba, and this water is ours, the United States. That oil is going to come right up to the United States and create another ecological disaster. And he's trying to preempt that and say, we have to lift the embargo on certain safety equipment, certain computer technologies, certain chip restrictions like semiconductor chips and processors that they're not allowed to have. I mean, we have to do that or we're basically creating danger. And that problem doesn't only exist in the Cuban control oil rigs. That's in Mexico and Colombia because that oil slick will will move. That's right. The currents will carry it up to the United States. But we don't have that embargo with Mexico. We, we have a relationship with Mexico, and we can encourage them to increase their safety standards in the Gulf. We're, we, it is us that has launched an embargo against Cuba. And, and, we, and, and what I heard Graham say is we, there are certain things that we're doing that sh- are shooting ourselves in the foot. Well, once again, we seem to be kind of good at that, actually. Shooting just, ourselves just lately, in the foot. as a matter of fact, yeah. yes. But we can do something about it. Yes. We can go in and identify the technologies and the, and the safety equipment that are needed to make bring their offshore oil rigs up to modern safety standards and prevent these disasters. But only and if we then take a second look at it 
to make sure that they can't use it for alternative purposes against our our better uh, interests. The thing about it is, it takes a guy Can like Can we really Bob's, do that, Sam? Well, sure. It's, it's necessary. A, a microprocessor doesn't care if you use it in a bomb or you use it in safety equipment. I mean, I don't think we can make that distinction. We 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 have we, we can't Rebecca, prevent 90, people well, from using technology. Rebecca, done. they're yeah. ninety miles away. Can we really afford to withhold that technology from these people when they're that close? Well, I would say no. I would say it's foolish not to open up diplomatic mi- and trade relations. An oil slick can go ninety with miles without a problem. I, I do not want people drilling using primitive technology, not having any safety equipment. Uh, 50 miles com- off our, our shore. That's what I'm saying. I completely agree. We can't withhold that safety technology uh, from the Cubans because it protects us, too. At 90 miles away, it protects us, too. Well, well, to Sam's point, technology is technology. If they choose to use it for weaponry, well, you know, well, can, can you really restrict that? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. So, so let me ask you before we run out of time. What about Alan Gross? We we make this hostage trade for Berndahl, uh, and and then we I run around. Like we we're this. running around in in Washington D.C. Excuse me, and we're saying we leave no American behind. We don't mean we mean we don't leave any American behind. We don't leave any military behind. Alan Gross sentenced for 15 years for uh, connecting to the internet without a Cuban uh, permission. Um, why why didn't we trade uh, Cuban hostages for Alan Gross? Well, uh, first of all, we shouldn't be trading hostages for anyone ever. And you already laid out the reason why. Because we're inviting it to happen on a weekly basis. We cannot do that. We need him back. We should get him back. What happened to him was wrong. Being jailed for 15 years for an internet connection? Ridiculous. But what you do is you send a SEAL team and you go in and get them and extract them. And if uh, with Bergdahl, if you wanted him back so bad, well, you don't trade for five guys from the Pakistani all-star team to get one deserter back. You don't do that. So your your idea is more, you know, use the philosophy we use to go get Osama bin Laden. Exactly. If, you know, if if you are harboring someone who is an enemy of the United States, good if that. you have a hostage, an American hostage, we are coming to get him. That's right. And and that's the position and the that you would take. The rest of the world take. should realize that we, we eventually, sometime, you know, it's sometime somewhere we will we will get what we need back. But we, but I, I'm, I agree with him. We should not negotiate with terrorists. Well, period, uh, ever, I, I, period. I, I don't know. We're going to get a lot of emails, a lot of Facebook chatter on this because I, I think this is one of those where it just divides the country right in half. Half say we have to, and the other half say all you're doing is is, is setting us up to have Americans captured all over the place. Wait, on you, that note, we have to take a scheduled break, but stay right where you are. We'll be back with Luis Alvarez, who's standing by to give us our weekly technology fix. You're listening to the Costa Report. Did you know that every day we create 2.5 quintillion bytes of data and that 90% of the data in the world today has been created in the last two years alone? This data comes from everywhere and it affects everyone. This data is big data. Big data is all data and it's more than simply a matter of size. Big data represents an opportunity to uncover new insights, make your business more agile and answer questions that were previously beyond your reach. IBM's big data platform uses sophisticated technologies and patented advanced analytics designed to complement your existing information infrastructure. The IBM big data platform allows you to get started quickly today and expand to address more complex problems tomorrow. It doesn't matter where you start, it matters that you start. Find out how IBM can help you turn big data into a competitive advantage by visiting ibm.com slash big data today. 
So we decided to upgrade the look of our home. You know, improve the curve appeal. We decided to add the look of stone to the exterior. We really like the stacked stone look. Yeah, but when I checked into the price, it was ridiculous. No way could we afford it. Then a friend told me about Genstone. G-E-N-S-T-O-N-E. Genstone comes in lightweight panels. They've actually engineered the hassle out of installation. No mortar, no mesh. It was easy. Even I could do it. We just screwed the panels to the wall and it looks like stone. I mean, it really looks like stone. Yeah, from the box to the wall in minutes. We love the look of our home now. And Genstone is durable, comes with a 25-year warranty, and offers additional R-value for insulation. If you want the look of stone at a price you can afford, call Genstone at 800-955-STONE. Trust me, you'll save money. And you'll love the look. 800-955-STONE. That's 800-955-7866. Visit GenStoneProducts.com. Shirtcrafter, your one-stop print shop, has been locally owned and operated in Santa Cruz for a decade, providing custom design services to help you build your brand. Shirtcrafter provides top-of-the-line custom screen printing, digital printing, embroidery, stickers, banners, business cards, and so much more. They carry top-quality brands of gear, from t-shirts and polos to sweatshirts and ball caps. Whether you're outfitting your softball team or team building for your business, Shirtcrafter has it all. So build your brand with Shirtcrafter, located at 111 Ingalls Street in Santa Cruz, or go to www.shirtcrafter.com. Or you could give them a call at 831-423-0537. That's Shirtcrafter, 831-423-0537. Hey everyone, this is Dave Michaels reminding you that this week is your chance to stock up on Longevity products. All this week, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., we'll be having another Longevity sale. Put more pep in your step with Beyond Tangy Tangerine. Take care of your body with the 90 for Life Healthy Start Packs, including the Blood Sugar Pack and the super popular Bone and Joint Pack. And what about your pets? We've got Arthrodex designed to keep all your animals feeling young and playful. Cats, dogs, squirrels, and crocodiles all love Arthrodex, and why not? It's beef-flavored. Stop by KSEO Studios this week, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. to take advantage of this week's special deals. That's Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. here at KSEO. We've got Z-Radical with Fucoidin and Seaweed Extract, Beyond Tangy Tangerine, De-Stress Capsules, Pollen Burst, OsteoFX, Bloomin' Minerals, and more. Learn more about Longevity and the products Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. all week right here at KSEO Studios. 2300 Portola Drive. Welcome back to the Costa Report. Luis Alvarez, the CEO of Alvarez Technology Group, is joining us to talk about Cuba. Thanks for joining us again, Luis. Always my pleasure, Rebecca. Now, I hear that somewhere, uh, someone in your family was from Cuba. Is that right? Well, you're absolutely right. My, my parents actually fled Cuba in 1959 when Castro um, took over the country. And although my sister was born in Havana, my brother and I were both born in Miami, where our family settled um, and lived the rest of, you know, till, till I left to, um, to go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to this day, I have family in Cuba, my, my grandmother and, and uncles, plus more cousins than I can count. And, uh, you know, and I grew up in Miami during a time when the community of, of exiled Cubans thought that any day the Castro regime would collapse and uh, be overthrown, and then we would all rush back to Cuba to take control and reestablish a democracy. So you thought your life in Miami was temporary, and you'd go back to Cuba. That's right. But, but of course, it never happened. And then as the old generation started to die out, their kids, my generation, stopped talking about going back and, and just got busy rebuilding instead. Because we know that Cuba's infrastructure is frozen in time in the 1960s, and that represents a great opportunity for Cuba. I'm not sure I follow you. Well, think about what happened when the Soviet Union collapsed or Eastern Europe um, opened up trade or, or when Vietnam finally joined the rest of the world. Technologically, those countries had a big advantage, one that has handicapped um, most uh, established Western nations. Mm-hmm. They don't have a legacy infrastructure that they have to maintain while they're also trying to add new technologies. 
So as, as countries like Cuba emerge from the darkness, they have the option of scrapping everything and leapfrogging to the latest and greatest technologies without having to worry about how to tie in all the old stuff. So that's what a lot of technology companies see when they look at Cuba, a chance to rebuild the technological base using modern systems without being saddled with the old infrastructure. So I guess Cuba would have an opportunity to skip a few generations of technology that have basically, at this point in time, become obsolete. Exactly. And like you point out, in terms of technology, Cuba is a representative of you know a lot of typical third world countries where some things are up to modern standards while uh, many others are stuck in their early 20th century, if not the 19th century. For example, Internet access is, is rare, slow, and very expensive. And, of course, the government monitors and censors a lot of what happens online. I, I bet you didn't know that less than 10% of Cubans have access to the Internet, which is fewer than, than even Haiti. And they have to use, um, you know, old-style dial-up modems to get online, which means that they really can't use any of the modern websites that you see, uh, you know, out on the Internet. The government keeps a pretty close eye on Internet use in Cuba, and that's one of the reasons they convicted and imprisoned a U.S. aid worker for 16 years. Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah they, they don't like, they're, they're not friendly toward the Internet. No, you know, they, they, like most dictatorships and, you know, uh, those kind of communist regimes, they like to control information. But on the other hand, even though there isn't much Internet coverage, Cuba does have one of the most sophisticated cellular phone networks in the Caribbean, um, supporting both the U.S. mobile standard as, rest of the, as well as the, rest of the, the standard that the rest of the world uses. Um, this means that Cubans have learned that they can use their smartphones and the technology built into those phones to communicate beyond their borders. And that's how the citizens bypass the sensors. So with smartphones, you can uh, access the Internet. So are they just accessing the Internet over a smartphone? Uh, yeah. I mean, they're using technologies built into smartphones the data networks, which can't be monitored because they're outside of the control of the government, um, to you know use tools like uh, uh, Facebook and Twitter, as well as to surf the net. And of course, you know they're doing it on the, the small screens that these phones offer, so they can't do a whole lot of stuff. Great. So it almost seems like having a, a law that you can't use the internet when you are allowed to have a smartphone that will allow you to access it and and virtually be untraceable. It, it, it seems so uh, schizophrenic. It is, but you know that's true of a lot of the, of the, the technology in the third world. You know, Cuba is trying to appeal to um, tourism and and uh, trying to bring in money from the outside. But if you want tourists to come from Europe and Canada and, you know, South America need to provide them some of the, the same conveniences that they have at home. And that means providing uh, cellular network access. And that access is solely provided by the carriers, not by any country. So they can't control, the, they can't control it like they can the Internet or even, the, you know, traditional phone service that, that they, can, uh, they can monitor and, and tap into. It, you know, it seems, I mean, you can even look at China. It seems like any time the government tries to control individual human behavior, uh, it never works. You know, you try to control population growth. You try to control access to the Internet. You try to control access to guns. It just never works. No, you know, we, we as human beings have this tendency to um, find ways around things. So... When you look at, for example, um, a few years ago when Iran was having all these protests and you were seeing um, the, the, the students on the streets that were protesting the government using Twitter to, to send video and to send pictures, and the government was shocked to learn that somehow they'd, they hadn't thought about that, that <laughs> you know, the information could get out some other way because they control everything else so tightly. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, that's the power of technology. It enables a lot of these, uh, you know, ways to circumvent the uh, authority and circumvent censors. Well, there are many uh, futurists like Ray Kurzweil who says that the democratization of the world is uh, being helped by all these technologies because really the information gets out uh, literally in one uh, YouTube video or Twitter field, feed. So uh, what's ahead for Cuba in your view? Well, like a lot of countries that open up after years of, of lack of progress, the, the fastest way to get online is to go wireless. Uh, so to that end, my generation of Cuban-Americans are waiting on the sidelines, armed with a, a lot of technology and lots and lots of money to invest. And, you know, we're ready to jump in at the moment that we can to bring Cuba's infrastructure into the 21st century. We have the emotional ties to our land 
you know, to the land of our fathers and mothers, and, and we want nothing more to make that country better. Mm-hmm. So uh, is this a case where, as uh, Bob Graham pointed out in the first hour, where uh, people are just sort of standing by and waiting for the last gasp of the Castro regime? Pretty much. Um, you know, I, I, have, I have still a lot of family in Miami and a lot of friends down there, and they may go along their day-to-day uh, lives doing the things they need to do to, you know, uh, earn money and, and, and grow their business, but in the back of their heads is, you know, what happens when Cuba opens up? What am I going to be able to do, and, and how can I? How fast can I get in there? Yeah, well, what about what Bob Graham said about starting institutional relations, like maybe um, business investments through the Catholic Church, for example? You know, institution well, to institution. Yeah, a lot of that is taking place already, in particular in agriculture, where Cuba has to import a lot of the, the food that they can't grow, and, you know, they're there's um, a lot of rules that, that limit what uh, American um, agricultural companies can do, but they found ways around that so that they're establishing these relationships at very low level, but they're, you know, when the company or the country opens up, it's going to you know, grow pretty quickly and, and prosper really quick, quickly. Well, we're certainly going to uh, see a big change in the coming decade um, as the Internet changes the amount of information people have, communication, and so on and so forth. Um, But that is all the time we have in this segment. But thank you so much for coming by and giving us the technology perspective on where Cuba stands today, Lewis. And and thanks for sharing your story with us. Um, And we'll see you back here next week. Thank you, Rebecca. This is Lewis Alvarez from the Alvarez Technology Group, reminding you that when it comes to technology, forewarned is forearmed. I, I have to say that I really appreciate Lewis sharing that uh, that story about having an affection for the land of uh, that his and that his family came from, and that the Cubans are waiting. There are many Cubans waiting to rush into Cuba with investment dollars and to help the country come into uh, in the into the modern world uh, as soon as the Castro regime takes its last gasp. Now we have to take a scheduled break, but we'll be. Be right back with Mitchell Winnick following these messages. You're listening to the Costa Report. In the opening of All Quiet on the Western Front, Eric Maria Remark wrote, This book is to be neither an accusation nor a confession, and least of all, an adventure, for death is not an adventure to those who stand face to face with it. It will simply try to tell of a generation of men who, even though they may have escaped its shells, were destroyed by the war. Today, Project Healing Waters offers men and women that have escaped the shells of war the opportunity to heal by teaching our returning veterans to fly fish in some of the most beautiful, tranquil rivers in our country. These natural surroundings have the ability to restore the human spirit, and with your help, Project Healing Waters is able to reach out to thousands of our men and women in the military every year. For information on how you can help, go to projecthealingwaters.org. Please give and give generously to those who have put their lives on the line for you. That's projecthealingwaters.org. Help those who have escaped the shells of war and need your help to come all the way back. We're fortunate to have Scott Caraccioli with us to explain how the process of making sparkling wines influences a winemaker's approach to making a Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Yeah, it's really a driving factor in terms of style and really kind of making it a little bit more old world. Um, we use all French oak, which is the same thing that we use in our sparkling wines. So I would imagine that someone who's not making sparkling wines will take a totally different approach. Yeah, it's a matter of viewpoint when it comes down to when you have a French winemaker making bubbles, you end up with a leaner, more European style of wine. To find out more about Caraccioli Wines, visit us at www.caracciolicellars.com or stop by our tasting room in downtown Carmel, California. That's Caraccioli Cellars, C-A-R-A-C-C-I-O-L-I, Cellars, where you have to spell it to drink it. 
Did you know that 9 out of 10 couples don't agree on the firmness of their mattress? That's right, 90%. He likes it firmer, she likes it softer, or vice versa. And the only bed, the only bed offered that allows you to each have your own way is the sleep number bed. Dual air technology is what makes it possible. It's a simple concept, but unique to sleep number. Each side of the bed is individually adjustable to whatever degree of firmness or softness you happen to want at the touch of a button. My sleep number is 85. I need a firm mattress, and that's what works for me. I've had back problems, and this makes me sleep well. I get up relaxed and refreshed. Celeste couldn't handle that. Her sleep number setting is 50. But with that difference in setting, both of us sleep well on sleep number. So will you. Go to Seaside, California, right next to the Cost Plus World Trade Market on Fremont Street, and you'll find a sleep number store well-stocked with all of their models. Go get a demonstration and move up from a conventional mattress to the Sleep Number mattress. Tell me you heard about it from Charlie Friedman at KSCO. Vegetarians beware. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name is Sid. Sid's Smokehouse slings the best slow-smoke barbecue west of Kansas City. Sid's has the best wood-fire pizzas. Our Aloha Mr. Hand Pizza has pineapple, green onion, pulled pork, and your choice of sweet chili or barbecue sauce. And for the vegetarians out there, we have a traditional margarita pizza with roasted garlic, basil, tomato, and extra virgin olive oil. We're located on the Fredage Road off Freedom Boulevard. Give us a call at 831-662-2227 or visit our website at SidSmokehouse.com. We're open seven days a week. Mark Saturday, June 21st on your calendars and come up to beautiful Bonnie Doon for the 12th annual Bonnie Doon Art and Wine Festival. This 21 and over event features gourmet food, wine, and beer tastings, live music, artist vendors, and both live and silent auctions. 100% of the proceeds fund the art, music, and science programs at Bonnie Doon Elementary School. Enjoy a lovely afternoon under the Redwoods in support of a great cause. For information and tickets, go to BonnieDooneArtAndWineFestival.com. Welcome back to the Costa Report. We have Mitchell Winnick with us from the Monterey College of Law. Thanks for being with us again, Mitch. It's good to be back, Rebecca. Mitch, we've been talking with the former Florida governor, Bob Graham, about the relationship between the United States and Cuba. Can you tell us a little bit more about how federal laws played a role in defining that relationship? Rebecca, it all starts back in the 1960s with the passage of the 1963 Trading with the Enemy Act. It was passed in response to certain hostile actions by the Cuban government. Trading with the Enemy Act. Now, that sounds like that should be a movie title. I I know, I know. But given the tortuous U.S.-Cuba history that has followed, I'm not sure whether it would be a documentary, drama, or horror movie. Mm, probably a horror movie, I'm, I'm thinking. So so uh, we are looking at over five decades of specific legal restrictions that prohibit U.S. citizens and businesses from doing business in Cuba. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, regulations issued as a result of the Trading with the Enemies Act are still in force today and affect all U.S. citizens. Uh, no matter where they live. The restrictions also apply to organizations located in the United States and to any branches or subsidiaries of U.S. organizations located outside of the U.S. Okay, well, that just about covers everyone. (laughs) Uh, what, What goods and services are covered under these export regulations? Well, Rebecca, the restrictions are both broad and comprehensive. Uh, Simply put, no products, technology, or services may be exported from the United States to Cuba, either directly or through other countries. Uh, Well, that takes care of the export side of trade relations. Um, are Are there restrictions on imports also? Absolutely. You know, there's, there's really no wiggle room there. Goods or services of Cuban origin may not be imported into the United States, either directly or through third countries. Now, I'm just wondering where all those Cuban cigars come from that I see, <laughs> I see rich guys handing out when they have a baby. Okay, um, from a, an enforcement standpoint, are there uh, penalties for violating that law? Well, yes. In, in fact, there are very serious criminal penalties if you're found guilty of violating the trade sanctions. Criminal sentences can be up to 10 years in prison, a million dollars in corporate fines. Excuse me, did you say a million dollars in corporate I, fines? 
I said a million dollars in corporate fines and $250,000 in individual fines. Uh, civil penalties of up to $55,000 you know, per cigar that you mentioned uh, could also be imposed. Those are expensive cigars. <laughs> <laughs> but, but let me ask you this. We, we hear about individuals traveling to Cuba on various cultural, religious, or educational miss, uh, missions. Um, There must be some exceptions that allow that kind of travel, right? Yeah, in fact, there really are. Under the law, there are certain types of non-governmental authorized travelers that are allowed. Um, These include journalists, individuals visiting relatives for humanitarian purposes, uh, academic researchers and students, which actually would include high school, college, graduate school, and amateur semi-professional athletes or teams traveling to participate to Cuba in athletic competition. Uh, And in, in addition to that group, specific permission could be requested and granted by the government, the U.S. government, for couple of categories, humanitarian services, educational and research activities, religious activities, and public performances, clinics, workshops, athletic competitions, and exhibitions. Okay, that that really explains a lot. In other words, as long as the trip has a religious, educational, or humanitarian purpose, that it it, it could be approved. Um, But it, it does make me wonder whether all it takes uh, to change the word tour to mission, uh, you know, maybe that's all you have to do to get around these restrictions. Well, you've raised a really good point. You know, I personally have friends who visited Cuba in recent years on trips that, you know, from my viewpoint and looking at their pictures seem to have had a very nominal educational or humanitarian context. Right. So we were talking earlier with former Governor Bob Graham, who is, cautiously in favor of working towards normalizing relations with Cuba. Uh, After almost five decades of economic sanctions, what is changing that, um, you know, what is changing that? How do you do it, I guess, is my question. Well, I think, Rebecca, first, if you look at the polls, the polls show that a majority of Americans would like to reestablish normal relations with Cuba. A recent national survey reported that somewhere between 50 and 60 percent of Americans and Cuban Americans would, would favor diplomatic engagement. They'd favor ending the travel ban and lifting the trade embargo. So what legal barriers are there to changing that federal law? The president can't do it. Well, you know, first and foremost, Cuba remains on the U.S. State Department's list of state sponsors of terrorism. So as you can imagine, that that's a problem. As recently as 2012, the State Department reported that there's no evidence that Cuba is actually providing training or weapons to terrorist groups. Uh, furthermore, those in favor of opening trade relations point out that the United States has diplomatic and economic relations with other countries known for repressing dissent, lacking a free press, and engaging in human rights violations. On the other hand, groups such as Human Rights Watch report that Cuba continues to repress individuals and groups who criticize the government and uh, point out its history of human rights violations. Well, of course, that's the balance related to Cuba. So we have to consider, does the U.S. benefit more by focusing our laws and our policy more heavily on the human rights issues, or should our laws consider other important interests such as economic trade and environmental protection? Now, you mentioned environmental protection. Uh, We heard earlier from Governor Graham that Cuban officials are preparing to resume offshore oil drilling as close as 50 miles from the Florida coast, um, which poses a a serious environmental threat to uh, marine life and, and our coast. I mean, could international law be used to protect these coastal areas? Yes, you know, and in fact, that's one argument that I think we should look at because recently the U.S., has a similar treaty with Mexico, mm-hmm. and if we took that track and reestablished diplomatic relations with Cuba, we could use treaties to protect the valuable and and sensitive environmental areas such as the Florida coast and the Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm. 
Well, uh, we're out of time again, but I want to thank you, Mitch. As usual, you you give us a lot to think about. The U.S.-Cuba relationship is is it's complex. It's a complex legal issue and a and a political challenge. But it's clearly an important topic for further discussion. And I want to thank you for joining us again today. Thank you, Rebecca. This is Dean Mitch Winnick speaking you speaking to you from the Monterey College of Law, reminding you that when it comes to the law. A little knowledge is not a dangerous thing. Well, that is all the time we have today. As always, if you'd like to comment on our interview with Bob Graham, Louis Alvarez, or Mitchell Winnick, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com. That's my name.com. And you can also post your comments on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And if you missed the full interview with Graham or any of our other guests, you can download previous episodes from Apple iTunes and Podbean, as well as our website and the Rebecca Costa YouTube channel. And while you're at the website, take a moment to check out The Watchman's Rattle, the first book that demonstrates how overly complex laws, technology, information, processes, and institutions make facts really difficult to separate from unproven beliefs and opinions. And this eventually causes our decisions, as well as public policy, to become irrational. It happened to the Mayans, the Romans, and the once great Khmer Empire. And the telltale signs that it is happening once again are pretty much everywhere in the media. And I I want you to know what the earliest signs of collapse are. So uh, I've documented this pattern in a book that's easy and fun to read and more importantly spells out how and why civilizations fail in in a way that you probably have never heard of. So it's an eye-opener and I promise that once you read it, you'll never look at the news or breaking events the same way. So go to RebeccaCosta.com and get your autographed copy of The Watchman's Rattle. Do it right now it only takes a minute all proceeds from the uh, sale of the book go toward keeping nonpartisan journalism on the airwaves um, which as you know is now crowded with divisive talk show hosts who are adding fuel to our intolerance and speaking of controversial figures who have strong points of view my guest next week is constitutional lawyer and advocate for family values for over five decades miss phyllis schlafly She'll be with us to talk about what she sees as the danger of the law treating men and women as the same and why she believes that women who make equal or more money than men may find it difficult to marry. Don't miss the always controversial Phyllis Schlafly next week right here on the only program that puts policy ahead of politics. Until then, I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 